not sure if that showed up on the mic, but that is me opening up a tonic. I'm not oh, okay. pouring into a gin and tonic, but I'm getting some tonic water just to settle my stomach a little bit. A tonic okay. water, Carl? Yeah. I like tonic water. It settles my stomach. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Because um, yesterday I had a takeaway and I may have eaten just a little bit too much pizza. Ah, all right, yeah. So when you wake up and it's like, what, four in the afternoon now, and mm. I still don't feel like eating anything. <laughs> it's like, maybe, maybe it is the time to just drink something to settle my stomach. It's clearly, my body needs food. It just doesn't feel like it. But how have you been, my friend, Mon Frere? Uh, I mean, yeah, pretty good. Just like enjoying some gaming time and some editing time and just trying to prepare for the Christmas break is... A bit harder than usual, but it's nice knowing that those two weeks are on the way. It is, and Christmas is soon. I'm sure in like one of the podcasts coming up, we'll talk about Christmas and things like that. But I yeah. thought something we can jump into right away to kick the podcast off is oh, yeah. um, I was just doing some background, um, just you know, behind the scenes, boring channel things that people don't really give a shit about. But I saw um, something pop up on uh, the Fact Fiend YouTube channel, and it is... Hey, Carl, you've not set up memberships for your channel. So a thing we used oh, to do yeah. like last year was when YouTube said, hey, uh, do you want to do a, a survey? We'd go through it. Oh, so yeah. So would yeah. you like to just go through um, this thing with me? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm ready to take another YouTube deep dive, Carl. Okay, so um, first things first, Lucas, do you know what memberships are? Um, I have seen them come up on my YouTube studio as well, uh, but... It, I, I know it's something to do with ask your fans for money. Basically, it's Patreon. It's okay, just YouTube yeah. wants to make Patreon. And get their but, cut, I presume. Yeah, they don't want you going outside of uh, Patreon. And also, I will mention you, as well. Outside like, of YouTube, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, like, I do have a Patreon myself, and I'm not trying to plug it here, but I used to have a link on the end of my YouTube channel to be like, hey, if you want to support me on Patreon, click this um button on my end screen did that disappear it it doesn't allow me to put a patreon link there uh specifically patreon uh, I obviously, yeah i've we tried don't have one for other the main links channel. and every time i try a patreon link it comes with like unknown error occurred Unknown. i like that unknown error occurred. and it happens to me every time i try and every couple of weeks i'll be like i wonder if this has solved the problem it still hasn't solved itself so i genuinely think they might be trying to like do some shady shit and block it off. Yeah, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on for a moment. That sounds like YouTube is trying to just stop people going to that platform, especially does, when yeah. memberships are a thing. And mm -hmm. I personally, I, I see no value in this. Um, I don't like the idea of charging fans for content that we make and make enough money on, but mm -hmm. let's just go. So we've got how it works. Uh, create perks for each membership level. Come up with unique perks that reward members. The perks you offer will affect who joins and at one level. And this is the reason I wanted to do this because, uh, Lucas, I'm just going to go through um, the example that YouTube gives and just okay. stop me um, when I say something that sounds a little bit surprising here. So, <laughs> um, offering at least three price levels has been shown to improve revenue. Example, low level, for, and this is in Great British Pounds, um, uh, 99 pence to 3.99. Medium level, from four ninety nine to twelve ninety nine, high level seventeen ninety nine to eighty nine ninety nine. Oh, so so Lucas, um, oh, is there any no. part of like that that just catches you off guard? Because that is a jump. Yeah, that is a that is a big jump, and the fact that the suggested tier is going like 
The other one's like, here's a few pounds of a price range to aim for. And this is, oh, how about 60-something pounds of a gap? And so, oh my God. that is obviously its thing. If you're someone's willing to part with 20 quid for a YouTube channel, they're probably willing to part with more. Yes, yeah. But I, what kind of a monster charges 90 pounds per month to someone? To, and what kind of a person pays it? Um, I, the answer would surprise you, Cogs. I believe it's a lot. It's whales, isn't it? I feel that at some level, it just feels so exploitative. That of is your a fans, lot of but... money to ask for your fa- from your fans for a monthly amount as well. That's and... a crazy amount to ask for. And to be clear as well, this is YouTube itself that's suggesting. This is the suggested amount YouTube says you might want to charge. It's 89 fucking quid. Holy fuck. Yeah. And then it just gives me like access to... Um, uh, like the unnamed level. So let's go into unnamed level one. We're not going to do this, but I want to see if there's any more sugi- uh, suggested stuff. So I've got the monthly price, um, popular. Oh, uh, so I have the suggested prices here and um, on unnamed level one. Uh, low levels go from 99p to £3.99. Mm-hmm. And the one in the middle, 199 is suggested as popular. Okay, yeah. The medium level, as aforementioned, goes from 499 to 1299. The two that are listed as popular are 499 and 899. So these are presumably the ones that most YouTubers pick. Yes. Uh, yeah. So this is giving us a quite um like just dark and stark look and transparent look into what YouTubers value and their audience as being. And then we've got mm-hmm. high levels that um, goes from 17.99 to 89.99. And Lucas there are two listed popular here. Do you want to take a guess at roughly within, like, what, three or four pounds, what the two popular amounts are that are charged by YouTubers, according to YouTube itself? I'm going to say, just because they're two, like, relatively round numbers, my guesses would be 25 and 50. Uh, you're pretty bang on there. The first one is 22.99, which is popular, mm-hmm. and it goes down 25, 29, 34, 39, 44.99, popular. And then eighty nine ninety nine is specifically singled out as being for super fans. Oh, and that to me sounds so fucking exploitative. You're a super fan. Give yeah. me eighty nine ninety nine a month. And Lucas, um, YouTube is being very helpful here, and it's also suggesting what perks I should offer. So should we go through some of the perks? Because you can make your own. You can make the perks be whatever you want. But we have. A list of perks that, um, uh, like YouTube suggests. Yeah, I'm, I'm to really offer. intrigued by this because um, on my Patreon I've got three levels as well, and I go from like I think mine are one, five, and ten dollars, not even pounds. Mm-hmm. So less than ten pounds is my maximum that I ask for. But mm-hmm. I want to know like what suggestions are YouTube giving out for someone who would be charging ninety pounds for a tier? Yeah, so obviously these aren't. Uh, they don't have numbers next to them, but these are just suggestions of what you might want to put out. Or you can yeah. like select from their pre-created category. So we have video perks first, and they are, include behind-the-scenes videos, um, okay. which we already do. Mm-hmm. Well, we already do rough cuts of videos. There's early access to new videos, so Patreon. Yeah, yeah. P- pay me money to watch these videos a few days early. Shout-outs in videos. Oh, oh God. Like Lucas, thoughts on shout-outs? I get it because people want to hear their creator say their name, but the amount of money that people charge for it is often ungodly 
like hundreds of dollars you see some people ask for just mm-hmm. a shout out in a video uh, and to be clear we have i as a rule do not do shout outs in videos i actually got an email about this the other day uh, just this oh, okay. morning um from someone asking for me to do a, a record a video for a, a family member for christmas it's like look i can't because if i do it for one person i'm stuck doing it for every person Cole, just put yourself on cameo I'm tempted to because the amount of people who asked this, but the only one we've ever done is because a guy who's deaf watches our videos and says, I read your lips, which is really difficult because you've got a weird accent. So we shouted him out just as like fucking hell well played for understanding me. And that's uh, a very different situation than somebody messaging you and going, can I have a shout out? You decided, no, that's fucking awesome. I want to mention it. And at the same time as well, it's different from someone offering me money to do it because the moment I do that, I'm stuck doing it for everybody else. Yeah, uh, exactly. We have rough cuts and bloopers, and we leave most of them in. We leave all our bloopers in our videos. I try to normally cut out dry bits and leave bloopers in. Mm. That's my aim, is like keep the silly shit and mistakes in and take out anything that's a little bit drier. That's kind of yeah. my approach. Unreleased footage. So, and the thing is, you can have unreleased footage, but when you've got, as a creator, a financial incentive to deliberately withhold certain bits of um, content, mm-hmm. that's when it starts to get, oh, yeah, are you going to deliberately start leaving stuff out to charge money for? And you have yeah. exclusive members only videos. And that to me is where the line gets drawn of you are now a business. You are now no longer a, a creator. You're not a person. Mm-hmm. You're a fucking business. You might as well be EA charging access early access for suits in um, uh, a video game. And I think this fundamentally comes down to like how do you uh, see yourself as a creator? And it, there is such a grey area between a content creator and a business because you are both at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and it's really weird. And I guess it's just down to personal uh, beliefs and just where you want to fall on that line. But the thing is, can you see any of those as being worth £89 a month? No, no. So let's go on to post perks, shall we? Um, and they include photos and status updates. So again, it's just Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, exclusive wallpapers, exclusive GIFs. Is a GIF really exclusive when you can just copy-paste it? <laughs> That's what I don't get, Joey. It's like, oh, you get exclusive like Twitch emotes and things like that. It's like, what's to stop someone from just copy-pasting it? Mm, yeah. Anyway, uh, and then the community perks. And these are the ones that I look at and I go... Oh, this okay. would be, like this would make me feel like I hate my life. And we have members only live streams, access to members only live chat, and then Lucas, are you ready? Connecting on social media. And does it describe that in any way? No. So let's click it. No, it just says connecting on social media, and that's the title. And then you have to describe it yourself. Okay. But mate. Oh, that's like is fucking... that? Oh, um, give me a hundred dollars a month, and I'll be friends with you on Twitter. Is that what I, that means? I don't I, understand. I think that's what it means. And then the other one is gameplay with you, which is play video games with me. I, Again, I'm just look. That Jesus makes me Christ. so uncomfortable. I pay for the privilege of having a game with me, or for me following you on Twitter on a so on a brand account that's run by someone who's not even me. Because you know that's what, if you're at that level where you're charging like 50 quid for me to follow you on social media, I'm mm. not going to fucking follow you on social media. Like, it's not me looking at that Twitter account. No, and that's the thing is, when it's come down to um, 
I guess. Well, to be fair, like you run your account, but it's not um, a Fact Fiend account. It's just your personal account. Yeah, there is an official Twitter. Fact Fiend account, but I forgot the login information. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that Brad was telling me um, he went on it, I, I want to say like a year or so ago, and loads of people tweeted his own great video today and it never gets spotted by any of us because I don't <laughs> have access to the account. Oh, like, but this is one of those things where I'd be tempted just to do a piss take one, but I'd feel bad because people would give us money. Yeah, yeah. Is that when we did the Patreon and the the only tier was fuck all and it was a dollar and we got people and we felt bad taking money from people, but holy shit. So that's all I've got on that. Uh, oh, okay, on the, actual, yeah. on the actual page itself, but we have um, just some more discussions of it here. That was the memberships offer tab, but then you've got like, you can make badges and emojis. You can announce your membership, post welcome to new met. It's like, oh. Yeah. And a lot of it is... Um, it's just Twitch and Patreon combined into one, but how it, it makes really me feel is, so slimy. But a lot of it's just um, like manipulation, isn't it? Things like, oh, you are a super fan if you give me this amount of money. Yeah, this is the only, the only people who give this amount of money can call themselves super fans of the content. Yeah. And I'd argue anyone who watches my videos is a fan of the content. Like, <laughs> fuck off. Like, that language is so manipulative. And when it you really know is. it was written by YouTube, one of the biggest media conglomerates on the planet, you know that that, mar- like that language is specifically tailored to elicit a very specific response. Yeah, because this is where I kind of draw the line. and uh, The way I see it is, if you build a patron with the message of like, look, if you would like to support me, um, you are feel like feel free to do so. If you don't, that doesn't make you less of a fan or anything like that. But when it becomes a thing like, oh, you're super fans if you subscribe, like you are changing the messaging of that then. Mm. And it becomes that- very, very like psychologically damaging it for people who have troubles with that stuff. Yeah, and I thought that would just be uh, interesting just to talk about. It just is, yeah. When I saw that it said, oh, yeah, £89 is one of the, like, the amounts YouTube thinks is an acceptable amount of money to ask people for yeah. per month. It's like, yeah. fucking hell. God, that's awful. It's a lot of money. And if you're going to charge up to £89, what content can you give somebody? Like Most people spend, what, uh, maybe like 10 20 £30 on all of like the subscriptions to Netflix and stuff that they I was have. About to, I was about to say that, yeah, if you work it out, let's just like get some rough numbers on the go now. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend we're talking about like, a fictional person who has, like, let's just say, almost every streaming service available. So like, do you want to just bring up a list of streaming services now? Uh, yeah, sure. On your end. And I'll just bring up like the calculator. I could do it in my head, but no. I'm, I've, well, I, I, I will uh, let I'm you know that I have a membership to three. So like personally... I've got, like, Netflix, Disney Plus, and Crunchyroll. Okay, so uh, we you want to just look up the cost for those? We'll just yeah. use adults. So, and I, I you... use, like, um, family accounts on Disney Plus and things, like, to make it just, cheaper just, and... Just go for the base level. Be sensible. But a... what about if someone was just paying for themselves? Yeah, so how much is a Netflix account? It's about seven... I think it was, like, seven quid last time I checked, but um, it can't hurt to be accurate. Yeah. Going to Google that for us? Um, I'm Are just you... checking now because they have a couple of different... Um, Tiers. To cost, the, yeah. Uh, Go basic. Oh, God damn it. A basic um, uh, Netflix account. 
uh, UK cost because when I tried to click on Netflix, it just signed me in. <laughs> <laughs> I know just Netflix. start watching Netflix live on stream. Who's gonna stop you? Uh, so currently they have three tiers on Netflix: so five ninety nine a month, eight ninety nine a month, or eleven ninety nine a month. And I just would say go. most people probably go for the middle one. So let's just go for the cheapest one now. Okay, six pound a month. We're gonna talk about like we'll round it up, and then how much is a Disney Plus account? Uh. Let me find out. Uh, so, Disney Plus. UK Guide. There we go. Uh, so, again, yeah. $5.99 a month or $59.99 a year. But so, another £6? Another £6 a month. Uh, how much is it then for Crunchyroll? Because that's all your, your or Animu needs taken care of by Crunchyroll. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it's around the same amount. Uh, £6.50 for that one. So let's round that up again. We're going to round up because I guarantee you're going to have less. So we got to £19 already. Uh, how about Spotify? How much is Spotify a month? Uh, Spotify, I believe, is 9 99 a month. Okay, so that's, we call that a tenner. Yep. Uh, do, 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 do. So we've got £10. And then go for YouTube Premium. Ooh, I don't actually know that price. Exactly, so let's look it up. I have never paid for YouTube Premium. I never even took the free trial. But let's just say, though, you want, like, you know, YouTube with no ads. So it's another subscription service that you have. Exactly, yeah. Uh, how much does it cost? In the UK, uh, 11.99, so £12 a month. Let's call it £12 a month then. Sweet. And then, uh, what's the other ones you can it's get? Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime? How much is Amazon Prime? I believe it's like a fiver, is it? Uh, Amazon Prime, I believe, is £8 a month. £8 a month. Okay, so that's £8 a month there. Uh, any other streaming service you can think of. So I have a quick Google on just streaming services. And we'll pick, let's just imagine we're talking here about a person like who is very into it YouTube. It gets very spotty um, where you've got things like, oh, there is now TV, but I was going to say when you've got extra ones like Sky Go, but you have to have paid for Sky and things like yeah. that. Unless I'd say now TV like, is another popular one. Because that has like some of the Sky stuff. So how much is now TV? Um, so... It's weird it's, pricing. The uh, fact that you can't find the cost. Well, of it, there's there's it. a few. There's Entertainment Pass, which is like I believe like the TV stuff. That's ten pound a month. But then so the Sky Cinema one is twelve pound a month. The sports you don't need one that. is nine pound a month. Let's just say another tenner on top of that. Then yeah. Yeah. Uh, now let's go for Xbox Live, Game Pass Ultimate. How much is Game Pass Ultimate? Uh, ten ninety nine a month. I pay so for that one. I know that one. So that's eleven pounds a month. Then isn't it? So do, yep. Do do do. do, do. So, ba, 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 PlayStation ba. Plus. Oh yeah, how much is PlayStation Plus? Um, I know that it's like sixty pounds a year, but oh, fifty pound a year. I don't know how much per month though. Let's say we're just going for like uh, you know. game. Dot code Well, it puts three months at nineteen ninety nine, so it's it probably quid. like seven quid a month. Okay, seven quid then. So that's it. we're up to about seventy. Five, seven, like 80 pounds now and we've still got another tenner so let's say <laughs> for the same cost YouTube wants you to suggest as the amount you need to pay to be a super could be classified as a super fan for a single YouTuber you can get unlimited music ad free YouTube Netflix Disney Plus um, uh, what else Prime say? Video now Prime TV video, Prime, so everything on Amazon Crunchy Prime roll, all, Crunchy the roll, all, all the anime 
And then you get Game Pass, Ultimate, Xbox is... Live Gold, and PlayStation Plus. So you get unlimited access to um, over 150 games on Xbox, including everything in the... the and I think as well, if you got that, you don't even need to play for Disney Plus, because Disney Plus now comes as part of Game Pass. I think it's only like three months, though, or something, six months. Either way, so you get yeah. knock a fiver off of that already. So for 10 to £15 pounds less, um, you can get access to virtually every piece of content on the planet that is worth watching at the moment. <laughs> or you can support one YouTuber who, if they are in a position to charge that amount of money and like get away with it, is probably already a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Probably already doing really fucking well for themselves. And the thing is, if you're all, if you're gonna chuck money at a millionaire, why not get Disney Plus? <laughs> like just think about that like how ridiculous that is. Even on like the lower end of the scale, like the twenty two pounds a month one. Yeah. You can get like Disney Plus, Netflix and Spotify and still be like three quid better off. And that as we mentioned, that is one YouTuber on a platform where <laughs> It's you have ads on... subscribe to like hundreds of people. Plus, as well, you also you will get ads on their content unless you pay for YouTube Premium as well. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The fuck! Like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Like, what? And that reminds me. Did you see the like, the headline around the other day? Uh, Mr. Beast. We've mentioned him on the channel like, on the podcast before. People know who he is. He yeah. earns ninety-seven million pounds a year oh. on YouTube. Just from YouTube, 97 million, but he's 22 years old, and you can subscribe to him. <laughs> it's like, what? How do you think these people get 97 million a year on YouTube? <laughs> I just saw, and John, my favourite thing is when I saw that headline, so well, this is a bit misleading, because that's before tax. Oh, sorry, he only earns a paltry 65 million pounds a year. <laughs> oh, so, you're not taking into account the fact he's got to pay tax on that? Oh, sorry, he's only got... Um, 150,000 times the base average salary. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like yesterday, uh, Jenna was watching a bit of How I Met Your Mother. Okay. It's like an episode where a billionaire is like, oh, well, um, I'm, I could pay you $2 million. I could probably do it and I wouldn't even notice. But don't worry about it. After tax, you don't even want to be rich anyway. Like, is that... Okay, okay, sure. Yeah, you, you rich person, tell me. That I don't want to be fucking rich. It's not well, worth what, it. Um, there is like some degree of truth to that, but it only affects people who are on the cusp of being millionaires. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a, a, a book that's explored. It's something that's explored in a book called Richie Stan, which I had to read for an article for today. I found out. Yeah. Um, and it's about the concepts of wealth psychologists. And this is a real profession that exists. And they are psychologists who specialize in dealing with the problems that arise from being so tremendously wealthy, life no longer poses a challenge. So how rich are we talking there? We're talking like billionaire level. We're talking like you have so much money, nothing is a challenge. Like you can do anything you want. And you are truly like the Bill Gates, the Jeff Bezos of the world. Yeah, people on that level and wealth mm. psychologists um, help those guys come to terms with the fact that life no longer has any challenge to it. And they talk about like, some of the things that uh, rich people experience is um, just detachment from reality because like, people crave structure. And wh- whatever structure, like, you know, whatever form that happens to take, whether it be a job or just like a passion or a hobby, but when you are so wealthy that you have no need to do anything like that, ev- your every woman need is taken care of. People become listless and detached and then they have like right, yeah. problems forming relationships and long-term relationships because you are never quite sure if people like you or they like your money and they are 
issues you can empathize with. But a neat thing brought up in this book is um, the, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses, where you have people who are on the cusp of being millionaires, living in rich, wealthy areas and traveling in those circles. But when you get to a certain point of wealth, people stop classifying it. Because like anything over a million pounds, mm. you're rich. But there's a stark difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Oh, a massive difference, yeah. Uh, and it talks about how people who are just on that cusp of being millionaires generally have less money to spend than someone who is like earns half of what they do because they are trying to live beyond their means because they're trying to keep up with people for whom money is no object. Right, so it's that type of person where they aspire to live the lifestyle of a rich person, even though, yeah living the lifestyle of a billionaire as a millionaire is not possible. No. And it's that thing about you find yourself going, well, who gives a fuck? And the answer is nobody. But it is mm. interesting to think about where it's a problem that impacts a very, very small minority of people. But then um, you have like billionaires and the, like the billionaire class who actively um, feed into the idea that, yeah, but it's really tough being rich. It's like, no, it's tough being that very specific type of rich where they try to keep up with your level of rich. (laughs) And you'll often like um, hear people talk about how, oh man, I I can't uh, earn, I refuse to pay cut. It's probably a story you've heard a lot or a fact you've heard thrown around a lot of at a certain level, it is not worth it to take a a pay rise because tax will fuck you over. And this is something that is infuriating and you try to explain to people at the marginal tax rate of there is never going to be a scenario where you earn so much money that you will lose money in tax. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we have a mutual friend I had this argument with where he talked about how, oh, I got offered a pay rise, but I worked out that if I took the pay, if I took the pay rise, I'd earn less because I pay more in tax. No, you wouldn't. Because you pay more in tax only on the money over the threshold. Which, but he couldn't understand that. He's like, well, I got off, I think it's like 30, the 40 grand threshold in the UK is once you earn over 40 grand, you have to pay I believe like 20, so, something like that, yeah. You pay like 25% tax. Yeah, but if I get paid 41 grand, I've got to pay 25% tax on it. So I only earn 30 grand. I went, that's not how it works. No, you pay 25% on tax for all of the money that you earn over that 40 grand threshold. But it has been like ingrained in people's head that that's not how it works. It actually works the other stupider way. Yeah. And it is in the best interests of incredibly wealthy people to keep the average person ill-informed on this matter. Because mm-hmm. when you can have someone who um, is like living paycheck to paycheck, thinking in their head, well, if I ever got to a point where I was a millionaire, I don't want the government taking it all in tax. It's like they won't. No. They, they really well. This is not how it works. But it's mm-hmm. oh, well, it's, it's um similar to that thing that Joe Biden had to clarify not long ago, isn't it? Of I am trying to take more taxes from people who earn four hundred thousand yeah, dollars a year. You will only be affected by my stance if you earn over four hundred thousand dollars, Mister Person on like forty grand over there. Do not fucking panic about your money. It won't affect you. But. Um, because billionaires have a lot of reach and clout with the media, they frame that as he's trying to take everyone's. He's not. He's just trying to take it away from people who earn half a million dollars a year. Yeah, he's trying to take your money away, not the general public's money away. And I just think the best response to that was a guy who took a picture of his pillow, and it's a pillow without a pillowcase on it that has all like the sweat stains. Joe, and you mm. had a pillow for like more than a year. Yeah, yeah. And he just said, if your pillow looks like this, you don't need to worry about Biden's tax plan. <laughs> 
Because that's all it needs to say. It's like, yeah. Or the other one where it's like, oh, you stood there, you earned $400,000. You earned $400,000. And no, you earn $1 over $400,000. You're charged uh, 10% more tax on it. You clench your fist. The socialists have won. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> And then you had another one, an amazing just uh, exchange shared by a a lady, I can't remember the name now on Twitter, Mm. but she was talking to a guy on Tinder or something about the tax plan because, you know, just the election seeps into a lot of people's lives. And he's like, oh, I oppose Joe Biden's tax plan. And she asked him, so do you earn $400,000 a year? And his response was, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you care? It literally does not affect you. But if it comes to something, it will because it'll help like pay for services that you will use because you're not a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, not yet. It's great. <laughs> I found that incredible. Oh, man. But to bring that, it back to YouTube. That, that is a, yeah. oh, well, I was going to say that's a ballsy play, though, isn't it? Of I'm not going to try and improve my country now because what happens if in the future I'm a multimillionaire? Well, it's the thing, isn't it? Of, uh, I think the, phrase, the term that's used is temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Everyone thinks that they're that, but um, to bring it back ah, okay. to YouTube, um, like you'll see parallels to it where um, measures get brought into place. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh man, and you'll see big YouTubers talking about how, oh, this impacts everyone. And it's like, um, impacts to like the um, the amount that people get paid. Yeah. It's like, well, it doesn't affect like small YouTubers mm-hmm. at all because they don't make any money. Yeah. It affects you, but you're making it as be a big issue because obviously you're a very visible person on this platform and losing 10% of, if you're on, you're making like a dollar a week from your YouTube channel, losing 1% of your earnings doesn't fucking register. But when you're earning a million dollars a year, that 1% starts to creep up and it's uh, it's very strange. Yeah, yeah. Like you'll see that of um, the people at the very tippy top, the upper echelons of content creators talking as if they're just like you and me when you know, like for some of them, like, as you said, $100 million a year. Christ. And then you see, uh, immediately see friends. Well, it's not actually that much money because they have to pay tax. It's like they're still earning 100,000 times more than you. Yeah, and Why I, are um, you defending them? I want to clarify for anyone that thinks Carl is ignoring the fact that he's got a lot of subscribers. Like the, the 600 and something thousand subscribers on Fat Fiend is nothing compared to the 50 million subscribers that other channels might have. And it's that exact thing of, like, um, the comparison between a millionaire and a billionaire. Yeah. Not to mention, as well, we don't have any of the extra money-earning things. You just have channel. one ad per video. One ad, yeah. And I can look at the channel analytics now. It's fun fact, you know, I to talk about these. Um, it is written into YouTube's Terms of Services. Oh, Really? Yeah, you're not allowed to announce how much money you make from YouTube. That's why oh, no. you only ever see, when this is discussed, people making their best guess estimates yeah. um, from, um, not Streamlabs, is it Social Blade? Uh, I'm not like sure, I'm not sure. But but it is written into YouTube's terms of services that you're not allowed to tell you how much you earn. Oh, right. Fun fact. But uh, you can see the earnings, can't you? And you can say that, on average, we, we don't earn a fantastic amount. Considering. Uh, no, it's an all right amount to pay four people with. Yeah, it looks like a lot of money until you realise we split it between four people mm-hmm. and then we also have to pay for an office on top of that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, looking now. The earnings for the last 28 days are £12,000. So that pays me, you, uh, Nisha and Brad a wage and we all take about 
is it sixteen hundred a month on average? We all take four hundred pounds a week, roughly. Uh, well, I'm a bit less because I'm a part time editor, not full time. But uh, yeah, and then but then you get paid yeah. for this podcast, and yeah, I exactly, draw. Yeah, you all get paid per video, but I draw a salary. So mm-hmm. I draw a salary of sixteen hundred, which is four hundred pounds a week. Yeah. which I've worked out as being what I'd earn if I'd worked at a regular place. And then the rest of the money stays in an account um, that we use to like, you know, pay for everything. Like the yeah, office. exactly. Yeah. And as a business, you want to be earning money of some kind. Like yeah, so there's, a pool a of money. Mm-hmm. so there's a pool of money left over for when people need it or we need like services. But I'm not allowed to touch that. Um, I, I draw a salary, which then I pay tax on as an individual. Yeah. And then the business just like exists as a separate entity. Owned by me, but um, all the money has to be run through my accountant who tells me what to spend and when. And I will clarify as well for anyone that's, uh, you know, angry that I said I was a part-time editor. That is, like, by personal choice so that I can yeah. do my own content on the side as well. Yeah, if anyone... And I earn any... enough money to support myself and uh, still do my own content. You are given the option to edit as much or as little as you want. Mm-hmm. And I raised everyone's wage during the start of lockdown to make sure everyone earns more money while do, while working less. Yeah, yeah. Because that's something I'm able to do because I own everything related to the channel outright and don't have to mm-hmm. run decisions past anybody. Yeah. And I'd like to... I'd like to I wouldn't like to imagine, but I can imagine that um, uh, bigger YouTubers who were perhaps run as a business, if they tried to make a decision like that, it would probably get voted down. I would assume so, yeah. Because um, a, a, a statistic... Not a statistic, but a, a, a fact that sticks in my head is the Nostalgia Critic... Oh, okay. Uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with him at all, uh, I know of the nostalgia critic. I don't really like watch them or anything. But it's all right. Cause they're terrible. But uh, okay. he was a he's a, <laughs> just a big name on YouTube and was for many many years. Yeah. And a statistic that stuck in my head is there was a, a fallout of some kind with that channel. Again, I didn't follow it too closely, but one of the things that stuck out to me in the ensuing aftermath of just all the dirty laundry being aired in public is that for every video he released, he had a unique thumbnail created for each video. Um, so it was a unique piece of art featuring him in, in like the movie. So I have to bring up a couple of them now. Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, I've seen the the completionist does that as well. Yeah, but if you just want to like, actually, yeah, you can do this. If you just like Google quick like nostalgia critic thumbnails and just have I a look at some yeah. of these, uh, you'll see. I think there's hundreds of them done. And just like have a look at the the wide variety, and they're all very good quality. Oh yeah! As soon as I've um, seen his face, I know like who it is. You know, but you can see like lots of um, unique piece of art done for a wide variety of films. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it emerged um, um, about last year. The artist responsible for those got paid five dollars per thumbnail. No. Yeah. Five dollars. So think about as well. The nostalgia critic is like a massive, huge. It's like basically an institution on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Think about the amount of money that channel probably makes. It's got like a huge, big. It's part of a big, huge media company. It's got like merch. It's been established for years, millions and millions of views. They paid the person doing a unique piece of artwork for every video five dollars. What the fuck? Yeah, that's beyond insulting. It is, yeah. And the person did it. They were doing a sick, awesome piece of artwork for every video, and they were getting paid five fucking dollars for it. Oh my god! Yeah, it, it makes you feel sick, doesn't it? To know someone who was in that position took advantage of someone like it is. It's taking advantage of a person mm. because it was probably like, oh, they paid five dollars right at the start, but then they never increased their wage with the uh, or increased their like the amount they were paid. 
Yeah, I would imagine that, that that would probably be the case of just, oh, I'm starting out small, I can only give you like $5 for a thumbnail, and then, oh, well, that precedent has now been set. Mm-hmm. So fuck you if I'm earning more money, we've set that precedent, I'm giving you $5. $5 and um, for anyone curious with uh, my gaming channel I pay every artist for that like, usually it's Layla who's a friend of the channel Yeah, um, I get her to do it and I pay her her usual fee mm-hmm. plus whatever she extra time she wants for her thing which I think is like £100 per commission mm-hmm. but on top of that I also ask her to charge for her time it's the same thing I tell every artist who does work for me um, charge for your time at the base um, pay of like £20 mm-hmm. more if you feel it's um, more if you feel like it is um, but stick to that as the average and don't try and undersell it. And obviously it is um, part... I, I would say it's a joint responsibility of both um, the like the person getting the commission and the artist to try and come to a fair price because, yeah, they shouldn't be trying to take advantage of an artist, but an Five artist fucking should, dollars. Exactly, that's, that's extortionate. And an artist at the same time should be trying to you know, ask reasonable prices for the artwork. They shouldn't be putting themselves down by only asking for $5. I mean, oh, don't worry about it. But there is as well, there is a, a distinct power discrepancy there when you there have is, one yeah. of the biggest names on YouTube saying, I will pay you $5. Um, I guess, I, I guess that's okay. That's, the, that's where the difficulty comes in because if someone just says, well, how much do you think your art is worth? That's a difficult question going, to answer. Oh, well... I don't want to highball you because you could tell me to fuck off. But at the same time, um, like people like that and stories like that make artists undervalue their own work. And it they lets do, yeah. Other you- like, especially like someone that popular with that amount of reach and influence. Like, fucking hell. Yeah, and, and that's f- the thing is, it's quite easy on um, the other end of it for somebody to at least go, I did a quick Google and this amount, like this level of art usually gets charged about this amount. Uh, what do you think of that? And, you know, add or um, agree with the price or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's a really difficult conversation to have. But, it but it's just one that really needs a, to happen. But at the same time, fuck it is. You, do not pay people $5. Don't, don't pay people $5. If anyone says they will give you $5 for a piece of your work, it's not worth it. Also, as well, if someone tells you um, that you're doing it for the exposure... The great example I've heard that you throw back at them is, can you tell me who painted the portrait of George Washington on the $1 bill? <laughs> uh, that is the most famous, well-known piece of art in the world. Like, It's probably like been seen more times than anybody else on the planet. Yeah. Do you know who painted it? Because if you, Unless you can promise me more... You can't promise me the same exposure as the dollar bill. And that no one knows yeah. who the fuck that guy is, so I'd rather take the money right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we've spoken many a time about just do not do not take exposure and free work. Like well, that reminds really me of what? Uh, this is a real thing that happened to me as well, by the way. So I'm just gonna uh, just do some uh, some some checking to get some little to get some numbers correct. So we have do, 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 where I was reached out to by a media company, okay, of some kind where they represent YouTubers. You know, one yeah. of those companies and. I have had many of those reach out to me over the years saying, oh, let us represent your channel. And I've turned them all down because all I've ever heard about them from other people is they are thieves and they will ruin your channel. Because So what, this they is will... when you become part of like a YouTube media network. 
Yeah, and they will just fuck your channel up. They will cram it full of ads. They will make as much money as they can, and then they'll leave. And then most of the time, just leave you. And they own everything. It's like they're awful. So I say no yeah. to all of them. But mm-hmm. got reached out to one um, asking, "Hey, uh, like we want to run, like run, or put your videos on um, uh, the Facebook network that we own because we control." And one of the names that stuck out was Dan and Phil. Oh yes, yeah. Those guys who have like a combined like several million followers across YouTube. Okay. And like they have like a reach of like 15, 20 million on Facebook. And they told me, yeah, we want to put your videos on our Facebook pages, like, you know, mm-hmm. on, on like the Dan and Phil and the other shitty YouTube content creators who don't run their own social medias. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in return, we'll give you, uh, we'll put your name in the, co- the top comment of the video. We believe this will be very beneficial for you because it'll give you exposure to our network. And my only response to them, I distinctly recall, was just Googling the net worth of those two guys and responding with that. <laughs> and just put the net worth of those two guys. And that was yeah. it. And then the person sent me a really smarmy email back saying, oh, well, if you want money, we value that your content is worth $1. Is this acceptable? And obviously they don't deem that value because why the fuck would you want to show off something that you deem worth $1? Yeah, they would try to be a dick. Exactly, yeah. But I just found that really funny. Of <laughs> just responding with the net worth of the person they supposedly oh, represent. God. It just baffles me how many people with money don't want to pay I, for the anything. Is, the thing is, well, it's probably not Dan and Phil. Like, those I'm, not, guys, I'm not saying it's Dan and Phil. I'm pretty sure it's the network that they belong to or the like, media company they represented by whatever the fuck it is. They have likely long since stopped giving a shit about the day-to-day running of anything to do with their channel besides Mm. recording the videos. If they still make them, I'm not sure, but it's like they've signed over, like they are now a business and a brand and someone is, but it was a representative from that brand who's like, yeah, let's do it for free. And I just thought it was just really funny that this huge, big uh, media network is like, we're not going to pay you, we'll do it for exposure. Yeah. It's amazing like, to me, and um, I know Lad Bible do the same thing, don't they? Yeah, they just they're take just it. like yeah, we will uh, credit you in the source somewhere. And Is that great? So I I have like a, a standing just fuck off clause to any company like that who reaches out. It's like hey, um, can we just put your content on our network? And it's like no. It's baffling to me how many companies get away with just regurgitating other people's content and making money off them. What's, you got the guy, the fat Jew, um, the Instagram user who is a multi, multi-millionaire and he's like been in music videos. Like, we can look up his career now because his career is actually incredible. I don't think uh, I've heard of this person. You, you've never heard of him? No, okay. So let's just look him up now. Do, 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 do. So John Ostrovsky is his name. Uh, known professionally as the Fat Jew. He's an American celebrity, writer, actor, plus-size model, winemaker, and entrepreneur. So fairly uh, sizable little career going on there. Uh, yes, but uh, the only thing, uh, the reason he rose to prominence is because he started an Instagram account in 2011, it says here, called The Fat Jewish. Okay. Um, all he does is just take screenshots of tweets and memes and repost them. Yeah, that was he was one of those early tw- Instagram accounts that was just like an aggregate of internet content. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that people got in really like that 
people were pissed off about is that he would always crop out the person's name. Mm, yeah. oh, every time. Whenever it was a viral tweet, it would always have their name covered up or it would be cropped, specifically so you couldn't see who said it. No call, it's to keep them, um, keep the identity safe, you know. Mm-hmm. And from doing that, uh, yes, I say in 2015, he's accused of posting screenshots of other comedians' jokes on Instagram and Twitter without permission, and with the credits cropped out. And he now, credits, right. all, he now credits all the authors, but by this point, he's made himself, he is now a multi-millionaire mm-hmm. off the back of lit, like, other people's work. Not even exposure, just straight up stealing people. Yeah, and he's like, a multi-millionaire. Stealing content. And uh, it's weird because um, law hasn't caught up to the internet very well yet. So there's nothing stopping anyone doing it. Apart from um, platform holders' policies, but most of them don't really have policies against it. And no one can own memes. Yep. And it's that thing, it's like, no one owns memes, but I, and no one owns jokes. But at the same time, like you know that when he's deliberately cropping out people's names, you know what he's doing. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because a lot of the time, it'd have been easier to just save the image and post it to your Instagram account. But when you're going out of your way to crop out credit, so people, like... Cause the, the the thing that like you're trying to do there is like make people think it's your joke. And as well... Or your, or um, your observation. It's that similar thing uh, when we're talking about YouTuber trying to make sure that people don't click off your platform. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, retweeted or you know, saved an image of somebody else's tweet, for example, people and kept their name in account. it, they could go, oh, that was a funny tweet. I'll go search for them on Twitter and look at their yeah. Twitter account instead. And it's just as well, Lucas, if you want an idea of just how far you can go, like riding the coats. The thing is, it's not even riding someone else's coattails. It's taking their coat. You just take, you just, you've seen their coat on a coat hook while they're at a party doing something else. And you just took it and you walked out and you found their wallet and you're like, wow, I guess this is my money now. Um, In 2015, the same year he was accused of getting like all his success from just stealing other people's content. He was Mm. named one of the 30 most influential people on the internet. Oh, great. And does product placements in his social media posts, including from Burger King, Virgin Mobile, Apple, Budweiser, and Stella Artois. He's a spokesperson for Seamless. He's appeared in the is starred in a Bud Light commercial that aired during the Super Bowl, and appeared in music videos for like Charlie XCX and DNCE. My question is: when it says product placements and videos, mm-hmm. is that like, oh, I am disclosing that these are ads, or is that a case of, no, Burger King paid me however much money to just eat a burger on a video without saying anything? Maybe, because this is obviously 2015, so it may have been um, uh, before that. Because I'm not sure how it works, and I, it's I, very, I presume uh, there's a lot of shady, under-the-table kind of deals where it's like, look, don't disclose that we paid you money, just start drinking this drink on stream. Oh yeah, that's the thing, and it's, uh, we talked about it on the podcast before, like a couple of other people who've done that, like maybe the lady... Who said, Oh, I got in a motorcycle crash. Here's a photo of it. And there's like a bottle of fucking vitamin water in <laughs> shot. And then she's like, No, it wasn't a paid promotion. And everyone's looking at it going, But it looks like a paid promotion. Mm-hmm. If it's not a paid promotion, they should probably pay you for promoting their drink because it looks like paid promotion. Exactly. And it's one of those things of if fucking, I don't know, a, a cider company want to contact me and go, Look, we'll send you some ciders, drink them on stream and just. 
disclose the fact that you've been paid to drink these, I wouldn't fucking care. I'm happy with that. As long as yeah. it's actually disclosed to people and you're not just pretending like it's not a product placement. Mm-hmm. But we've talked before, haven't we, about how um, there is the world of marketing, mm. uh, it's all about um, you want advertisements to feel like it's organic. Yes. And the moment you put this was paid for by somebody else, you are not getting uh, anyone to click on that shit. I would imagine the um, the like fall off of people that are willing to just give a shit about any advertisement as soon as you disclose it. Yeah, it drops a lot. Yeah, um, and I've seen or I've studied uh, the uh, just the behind the scenes of like the pie chart I always bring up, which I was shown, and it's like a big massive pie chart. It's like this is how many millions of dollars are spent on advertising every single year. Mm. And they show like here's print marketing, and it's like a tiny slice. Oh, sorry, yeah. um, here's how much is spent on marketing each year, and it's like this bar graph, and you see like print marketing, um, media marketing, internet marketing, and they're all like fucking massive. Yeah. And then here's like um, all the other ones, and then they say here's a pie chart of um, consumer habits and what people say that influences them to try out a new product, and they show you a pie graph, and they've got like media, print. Um, internet, um, radio, and it's this tiny little sense, like 10% of the graph, and the mm. other 90% is word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people generally do not like listening to adverts, and they do not let them inform their buying and purchasing decisions. Mm-hmm. They mostly, like, no, because they're human, let their friends do that. But the interesting part that was brought up to me, and that I found incredibly insightful and like, poignant, was uh, one of the things that is often not, discussed about this is that celebrity endorsements count as word of mouth because people see celebrities as being their friends yeah because it's that parasocial relationship isn't it where yeah you might not have any idea um you know as someone on fat fiend you you do not know your fans but the fans feel like they know you yes and it's just that weird that just two uh well not two way sorry one way relationship where, yeah, people will listen to what celebrities say because they, as you say, believe they are friends. And it's weird, very weird. Mm-hmm. And just that's why you now see that a couple of years after, like, because I studied media in university about eight years ago at this point. Fast forward 10 years and the landscape of advertising has very much changed. I'd argue for the worst because so much more of it is underhanded. Yes. So if you see a billboard, it's obnoxious and it's in your face, but you know it's an ad. It's honest. It's honest, yeah, but it's, it's obnoxious. Yeah, of course, it's it's super obnoxious, but like it said, is blatant and upfront about what it is. But when you see somebody on social media and like they take a photo and it just so happens to include a bottle of vitamin water mm-hmm. right there, perfectly in frame. Yeah. And then you scroll down to the hashtags and buried deep in the 30 hashtags is just hashtag ad. I've like, seen a lot of people do that of, um, I think it's a lot easier on Instagram because you don't have the character limit as well. Yeah, so you can just put millions and millions of hashtags you just and you bury the tiny little hashtag ad in the middle of a bunch of other shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how they do it. And I'd argue it's like it's le- more it's more subtle, it's less in your face, but it's in my opinion a hell of a lot more dangerous and insidious. It's very insidious, yeah, and I'm sure there are so many media and marketing people that just rub their hands together at the idea that you'll never know. 
Yeah, you'll never know because, as I said, it comes across as a friend doing it for you. Mm-hmm. And we've had all those discussions before about how um, uh, it's potentially a bubble that is on the verge of bursting, if not already, because of the amount of media and social, like social media influencers who've gotten massive big paychecks for advertising and they've completely fallen through. <laughs> like we talked about, didn't there was a, a girl with like millions of followers who was got a marketing deal and said, you can sell 30 t-shirts mm-hmm. via your online, like via your uh, social media, we'll give you a uh, clothing deal and she couldn't sell 30 t-shirts. <laughs> it's the one that I always like. And it's just weird to me that I don't know what kind of relationship you would have to have with your followers where you have, say, for example, a million followers and not 30 people will click on the thing you ask them for. <laughs> you have a completely superficial relationship with them. And I, I, on the um, on paper, every single relationship with someone like that you only know through a screen, I guess, is kind of superficial, but, but that, that it's very difficult to figure out, and it's all very complicated, and that's how they get away with it, because it's really hard to define relationships through other mediums like you know, just social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, I just, um, this fascinates me, as evidenced by the number of times I've talked about it, and it probably is mm-hmm. uh, very boring for people at home now. So let's move on to something else right now. And something I want to talk about that, is, that I did this week was I watched the prequel trilogy. <laughs> In anticipation of a playthrough we're going to be doing on my uh, channel. It won't be yeah. out for a while, it's The Force Unleashed, which is non-canon anymore, but I thought I want to watch the prequel trilogy because... The prequel trilogy has enjoyed a, a renaissance of sorts. Where, um, thanks, almost entirely, speaking of memes and the internet, mm-hmm. thanks to memes. Memes have revived the prequel trilogy. Like What was once the, one of the most maligned pieces of media, mm-hmm. like popular media at least, is now enjoying just a revived ironic enjoyment thanks to memes. Like You cannot say hello thing. there on the internet, can you? For example. Oh, no. Yeah, hello there, General Kenobi. General okay. And it's like, yeah, when we stream, people will always come in and say hello there, and then three people will respond, General Kenobi. And I wonder how much of the, the as you framed it, like the prequel kind of renaissance is um, memes, and how much of it is, you know, angry, whiny babies going, I didn't like the sequel trilogy. Yeah, it is, in my opinion, it is 100% ironic. Uh, there is yeah. absolutely no way people are genuinely enjoying these movies because we watched them. And the first thing that struck me is when I, we, me and my girlfriend, we put like Attack of the Clones on because we were just specifically looking for the Yoda fight because we wanted to see how stupid Yoda looks. We watched, uh, so that's we watched, Yoda uh, versus Count Dooku at the end. Yes. And we watched Empire Strikes Back and we see like Joe Yoda's just a puppet. Mm-hmm. And the puppet work, admittedly, is very good. So it was Jim Henson who did it. And Jim Henson's um, a master of his craft. So... The, the question is, like, what version did you watch, I guess? because The one that's on Disney+. Plus, But I think... I um, don't know whether that's been altered, Yoda. Empire Strikes Back, um, from my recollection of it, is the one that's considered still the best because it has the least amount of bullshit added to it mm-hmm. using CGI. Like, it still go... has been fairly edited, though, I'd say. A little bit, but I don't know enough about Star Wars to know how much has changed. But just Yoda yeah, no, was no, a puppet. To what I could see, he was a puppet. 
You can see okay. him walking around. Like he does his little stumble. And the weird thing for us is we've been watching the Mandalorian alongside it. Yeah. And the puppet work for Yoda is better than the puppet work for baby Yoda. Or Grogu. <laughs> Fucking Grogu. Which is weird considering like the amount of um, like technological advancement that's been made. And I can only think that is, is um, I'm gonna double check that it was Jim Henson because I'm almost positive it was. Uh, I can I can only imagine that it was. So Jim Henson, I'm just gonna put Yoda in. Just yeah. to double check. Yes, I, Jim Henson. I wouldn't be able, yeah, I was going to say I wouldn't be able to tell you, but that does sound right as soon as you say Jim Henson puppets. It's like, yeah, I can believe that. So he made the puppet, and I believe that he did some of the work for it, but Frank Oz did the voice. Mm. Uh, maybe he did the puppeteering as well, but like Jim Henson helped work on it, but like Frank Oz himself is like a very good puppeteer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, e- either way, it's like a very talented person doing the puppeteering for Yoda, and it looks really good, and I thought... And that inspired us to go and watch the uh, the prequel trilogy with the Yoda fight. Yes. And the first thing that struck us is, man, those films are all like two and a half hours long each. <laughs> so even if you're watching them purely for like the ironic enjoyment, mm-hmm. all the bits that are funny, like the bits that are ironically meme worthy, and like you know ironically entertaining, they constitute about twenty percent of the movie at most. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh-huh. um... oh, go on. I was going to say, like, so much of those movies, we were, like, fast-forwarding. We said, oh, yeah, let's put it on. And then, like, we got to the opening crawl and went, should we just keep fast-forwarding until we find a funny bit? <laughs> and we were fast-forwarding for a good 10 minutes till we got, like, an hour into the movie. It's like, holy shit, this movie doesn't get going for an hour. No, it really doesn't. And episode one is notoriously slow. Um, but I think the, the thing with me with the prequel trilogy is I don't think it has bad action. But the action's about the, it. But the action's like the smallest part of the film. And exactly, yeah. The thing that struck me about it is it's so ugly. Just in, because everything is CGI. It's like, uh, I'm just going to try and find like a random shot now of it. Like the prequels, like just when they're talking in a hallway. Well, um, and the entire I, hallway is CGI and it looks so bad. I don't know if you watched it or whether you skipped through it, but like. The scene where Anakin and Padme are sitting and eating a dinner, like a meal, and Anakin like force oh, pushes an apple or a pear over to her, and it like floats onto this fake fort, and it's oh my god, it looks so bad, and she's not eating anything. It's just the 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 mouth just kind of hovers around the pair and it disappears. And it's like, yeah, oh, man. it's like I've got here just like here's just a random shot from the prequels, and like. It looks so shit. It's just an entirely CGI corridor they're walking along. Just, I imagine the entire set was a couple of people stood on a blue screen for almost just the entire movies. Almost everything was, yes. And I believe it's Red Letter Media who break down why it makes the film bad because it Mm. limits the ability of the actors to actually act. Because there's one of the shots they single out is... um, when Mace Windu said, I think it's when they discover the Emperor is Palpatine. Oh, okay. Or the Chancellor is like Emperor Palpatine, and they go, we must hurry. And they turn around and slowly walk in the other direction because there's no set. <laughs> there's nothing for them to react to, so they just turn around and walk in the opposite direction. It's like, what? That, that's not hurrying. That's not running. It's so bad. And it's um, pointed out by a lot of actors who get, you know, flack or have experience with blue screen and CGI of just the reason that practical effects, or even half practically done effects and that are touched up with CGI, 
are so much easier to work with because there's a physical object to act against. Yeah, well, the thing is, just compare that hallway shot I sent to you with this, like, shot from um, Empire Strikes Back, and it's the iconic one of Luke Skywalker on, like, the weird bit of scaffolding with After Darth Vader reaching out to like, him. his arm caught. Yeah. And they are on a physical prop. That is a physical bit of set. But the background is not CGI, it's a matte painting. And it looks incredible. Yeah. Because the matte painting is fucking real. It's a real painting someone actually did. It's not crappy CGI computer animation. And it ages amazingly, like, same way with, like, with video games and sprites. Mm-hmm. It's dated, but it still holds up because it looks good. It it's, just looks good. It's one of those things of um, because the technology of green screen or blue screen in the case of Star Wars, like, was so um, limited at the time, mm-hmm. they had to find a balance between practical and physical that made sense and would make it look good, where they got a bit cocky, uh, especially, like, you know, early 2000s movies of just, we can make it CGI, so let's do it. Yeah, Lucas, this is pod race. Like, look at this. Look how shit that looks. looks I know that's like, God, it's so bad. I'm just sending Lucas screenshots of the fucking, oh, here's the one. Wait, Here's, it's not from the movie. That's not for that's uh, I, I copy pasted the wrong one. This one of Mace Windu and Obi Wan walking with Yoda floating on his stupid chair. Look how bad that looks. I mean, I can tell you from like second one, the lighting doesn't even match up. <laughs> it doesn't. The shadows don't match. No, like it's just that you could tell they're what, and it looks because um, a film me and my girlfriend watched the other day um, a, a while ago was Speed Racer. Uh, which I bought on Blu-ray because I heard that Speed Racer is one of the best-looking movies ever made. Yeah, and I've recently been told this, and I've watched a few it's, clips. It's not. It's and, all CGI. Oh. It looks terrible. But what I've seen is um, kind of... I've seen people talking about the way the action has a lot of uh, just personality to it and a lot of momentum to it. No, it doesn't. It oh, really? Top, all, everyone who's saying that is full of shit. The movie looks terrible. Because I've like I've looked at a couple of clips and been like, I guess I'm just gonna have to watch the whole movie. No, it's uh, shit. It is okay. absolutely not because we I bought it on Blu-ray. Me and my girlfriend after about an hour went, should we just fast forward to the? Because again, that's one of it's two and a half hours long. Oh god! And it's the Wachowskis, and it's like, oh god, stop giving fucking movies to the Wachowskis. They they got lucky with the Matrix. It's uh, one it's, of those things of they made a trilogy with the Matrix. And even The Matrix has more bad films than good films. Yeah. It's like they try to but um, just watching the prequels, like, oh my God, so much of this looks shit. And even the good bits, like um, the Emperor fight in the throne room. Do you know where you get just like Emperor Palpatine just do the, Wah! as he just does like the 360 <laughs> yeah. lightsaber note scope. Even that looks terrible because the Jedi in it just like stand there and get killed. Like, one of the Jedi literally just stands there as the Emperor stabs him. And it's like, wow, right. these are the greatest um, uh, swordsmen the galaxy has ever known with the ability of precognition. Well, it um, kind of reminds me, not of Jedi specifically, but the uh, Last Jedi throne uh, room scene. You've oh, seen yeah. that one. Is it the one where they're fighting against the Red Imperial Guards? It is, and you just see 
the people standing still, twirling their sticks in the background, <laughs> waiting for their cue. You can see the actors who aren't ready to fight Kylo Ren yet stood off screen. Yeah. And he looks so bad. And the only, the one plus I will give it, though, is the fight on Mustafar. Yes, um, yeah. That's the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan, only because behind the scenes, Hayden Christensen and... Um, What's the accent? Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, yeah. Trained for three months and performed the fight in real time. Mm -hmm. So when you're watching that scene, folks at home, and you see them spinning their lightsabers round at like half the speed of sound, they are actually doing that in real life. And that, I contend, is the best representation of lightsaber fighting. Because that's what Jedi would look like in real life. If you However, it's very annoying when they do all the extra flips in there and stuff. But I like that because it's contextualized with uh, extended universe material about Anakin, where they talk about because Anakin is told pretty much from day one, um, oh, you are the greatest force user who's ever lived. Yeah. Like, you are the most powerful Jedi in the universe. Um, the re- he intentionally does unnecessary flips in combat because for any other Jedi, that requires so much force that they can only do it in an emergency, like mm. when Yoda does. Yeah, but he's doing it just to show off. Yeah, he does it to show off how much force potential he has. Like he can do these backflips purely just to show that he has that much force power. Mm. And I like that idea, but when you see Yoda doing like 10 million backflips, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And that led to me just turning to my girlfriend and asking her straight up, would this fight scene be better if it was just the Yoda puppet from Empire Strikes Back on a string being thrown at the actor. <laughs> and I legitimately cannot um, uh, decide whether or not it would be better. And I would like to ask the audience at home right now, would the fight scenes of Yoda like against Dooku and then the Emperor be better if it was the Yoda puppet with a lightsaber strapped to it being flung around on a string and just thrown at the actor? Because I think it would be. I'm not sure whether it would be, but I'd love to see the memes. The thing is, because that scene is great, but because of how poorly the CGI has aged, Mm -hmm. it looks really bad. Yeah. And something else that um, frustrated me is watching it and just the applications of force powers make the force actually look really lame. Like um, the bit where Dooku knocks over the big pillar and Yoda catches it with the force. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he catches it, and it's like a a 20 to 30 second sequence of Yoda with great effort moving this pillar, which is admittedly a very big pillar, but he moves it it like three feet, and it just makes the force seem so lame (laughs) with how slow things move. It's like when he said Anakin floats the pair across the table. Mm -hmm. And I compare it to when you watch the first couple of X-Men movies, and Magneto throws cars, but you can see the car go on a really lazy arc. Yeah. towards someone because it's like you know, it's a practical effect so fair play to him it's a car just being thrown very slowly through the air but if you have perfect control over it and almost unlimited power would you not launch it at a thousand miles an hour yeah like um, I shit on Man of Steel all the time but one thing I appreciate is that when uh, I think it's I forget the female one where she jumped with the female... I, I um, don't know the names of um, Zod's kind of underlings, but... But when the female Kryptonian jumps onto the jet fighter and just pulls the guy out and he's going, <laughs> yeah. Whoa! And that, that, um, that film is not great, but it does have a really good sense of just power and momentum. Yeah, or like the Incredible Hulk movie. Yeah. 
uh, where Hulk is getting hit with the uh, the sound ray and he just throws a car <laughs> and the car goes like a hundred miles an hour and splits the truck in half. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what it would be like if a being this strong threw something at you. It'd have this much weight and momentum. <laughs> yeah. And I think the only game that's ever really captured how the Force should feel is Force Unleashed, which is the game we're going to be playing. Uh, game we're going to be playing, but even then they don't do it perfectly. Like, when you push something with the force, it doesn't, like, get knocked over. Like, it goes into the upper atmosphere. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's what should happen when you push something with the force. Um, and there's that one where, like, if you are force pulling someone, like, hovering them up in the air, when you let go and he just flings them upwards, they go, like, 200 foot into the air just screaming. Yeah, because that's what would happen. But then you compare that to, like, the prequel trilogy and you have... Like, just throwing, like, this little... Like, uh, when the Emperor throws, like, one of the, the seats from the Senate at Yoda. Oh, yeah. And Yoda catches it and then very slowly spins it around. Well, and the then one I was thinking of was, like, when they just do a force push on the droids, and the droids just all slowly fall back two foot. And it's like, oh... So these basic robot, like the, just the really basic enemies, and you force push them with all your might, and they lazily fall back. It's like you could put more force in with your foot. <laughs> yeah, you and can kick them harder. One thing I did notice, though, is watching the prequel trilogy is how unbeatable the tactic of just kicking someone is. Mm. Uh, if like, so we watched, we just fast forward to all the fight scenes to see how stupid they are, and mm-hmm. there is never a time in any prequel trilogy fight where someone throws a kick and it doesn't immediately win them that fight. <laughs> like the fight on Mustafar, um, oh, like Anakin throws a kick and he knocks Obi Wan over, but then yep. Obi Wan counters with a drop kick, also known <laughs> as two kicks at once, and that wins. <laughs> Carl, what's better, one kick or two? Two kicks, and it's like they just keep, and it's an exchange of them just kicking each other, and it works. There's never a time where a Jedi doesn't get hit by a kick. Christ. And uh, but one, like just speaking of, like to end on, like just, uh, tactics that or things that piss me off about applications of the Force is um, in the Mandalorian. And that's what inspired me to go on this just trek of watching fight scenes in Star Wars movies on okay. Disney Plus. Um, Ashoka, is it Ashoka? The um, Ahsoka Tano, uh, is it? Whatever the name is, now in the Mandalorian. She fights with two lightsabers because, of course, she fights with two lightsabers. Yeah, Ahsoka and, Tano. And she's fighting against a lady in that episode, and she does like you know, the classic Star Wars thing of the lady has not a lightsaber but a lightsaber resistant material, and she's swinging it around like a spear. And she swings it at Ashoka, and she hits it in the lightsaber, and they're grinding against each other. Mm-hmm. And she's got two lightsabers in front of her. And I just said to my girlfriend, like, wouldn't it be like really easy right now like, for Ashoka to just turn off one of her lightsabers? Put it past the um, the staff, and then turn it back on. <laughs> yeah. But just think about it for a moment. Do you want like they're swinging lightsabers against each other? Why does no Jedi just turn the lightsaber off for a split second mm-hmm. and then turn it back on? Yeah, yeah. And I know that's a thing that people did in one of the um, the Star Wars games. Where people go in and then you have like lightsaber combat and people figured out if you turn off the lightsaber when swinging it for a split second, you can swing through your opponent's guard and insta-kill them. It's like people playing a video game figured that out, but Jedi haven't yet. And like, even if you can say, oh, well, it's not an honorable way to fight. Why don't the Sith do that? 
Exactly, because, okay, yeah, um, the Jedi are loosely based on, like, the ideals of samurais, but the uh, Sith aren't. Yeah, and just think for a moment, though, about how many times in Star Wars media you have seen the shot of a lightsaber against another lightsaber. Oh, and yeah. At that point, that. why doesn't one of the people just turn their lightsaber off for a split second, hold the person in place with the Force, and then just move the lightsaber through the person's thing and then turn it back on? <laughs> And another thing is, like, I always... That reminded me of the, like, cross guard on Kylo Ren's Yeah, what everyone needs... To, why doesn't everyone have that? I don't understand. And so many people made fun of it. But it's, it makes perfect sense. That's why a knight's sword has a fucking cross guard like, on it. The first time you see a lightsaber go and hit Kylo Ren and it hits his cross guard and doesn't just cut all his th- fingers off at once. Yeah. And you just go, oh, yeah, that's probably why you should have one of those. Maybe everyone would stop losing their fucking hands every time. If they had a cross... Bear in mind as well, like, Anakin Skywalker loses his hand and Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. They both lose their hand because of that. Yeah. It's like, oh God, why doesn't nobody just turn their fucking lightsaber off? (laughs) And just do that. The thing that gets me is, why doesn't everybody fight with two? If that is a legitimate fighting style... Why don't people fight with two lightsabers? And I'm sure, like, somebody will give me the actual answer, but... Is it, it's very difficult to fight with two lightsabers or something like that. I'm sure, but at the same time, if somebody, like, for example, Ahsoka can do it, why would somebody else not have that ability? Mm. And it just seems silly because, yeah, you can block the lightsaber with one sword and then just kill them with the other. Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, when you see her just, like... If she's got two lightsabers, like, grinding against his thing, just turn one of them off. <laughs> just just one lightsaber off and you win instantly. Mm-hmm. You, like, inst- like, no one can do anything. You, like, you are <laughs> unstoppable. It's like the idea of why doesn't someone have, like, Joe, uh, General Grievous might be the smartest lightsaber combatant and he's not even a fucking Jedi because he just does the tactic of spinning them around really fast. And then the stupidest thing of... Obi-Wan just sticks his blade out and it stops all of them. It's like, okay, so why don't, um, why don't you just turn one of them off at intermittent, uh, intermittently? Have that them all, have them all terrifying. spinning. Make what? all four twirl and turn them on and off constantly. Yeah, randomly. Yeah. So And you would have no idea what to do about that. <laughs> it's like, um, why don't Jedi just at all times have a lightsaber spinning around them with the Force? That would be awesome. Yeah, and I think in like the comics, there is a guy who loses his hand and he holds his lightsaber with the force instead of his hand. Oh, it's like, that's cool, but why are you even holding it where your hand is? Yeah. Why are you not holding it 100 foot in front of you and fighting from the, like your bedroom? Why are you not just sat like on your lazy boy at home watching TV while your lightsaber's outside? <laughs> just fighting people for you. I will admit, it would be terrifying if... Jedi turned into like Virgil from Devil May Cry and just had yeah. the, the twirling summoning sword around them. Yeah, it's like, why are they not doing that? And just as uh, to go back to the idea of like fighting with the Force properly, uh, I've just sent you now a GIF. And this mm. is from the Star Wars Clone Wars TV show. And it's not the one that's on Disney Plus. This is the one that the creator of Samurai Jack made. And this is Mace Windu just fighting super battle droids. And Lucas, just tell people at home what you see. Um, he is just 
running into the middle of all of them and like force punching the shit out of them all. Yeah, he is empowering his blows with the force. And I'm going to try and find the very specific gif that mm. just showcases, oh yeah, this is why Mace Windu's so famous. He just looks like a Dragon Ball character punching them all. Like, it's one of the best scenes I showcasing mm-hmm. um, uh, like Jedi powers yeah. ever. Like, there's this like extended five-minute sequence of Mace Windu fighting a million super battle droids, and he wins. And like, here's the other one <laughs> that I want to show you. So do you say like when you push over a robot? This is how they did that shot in this show. If I can get the... Uh, oh, sorry, I've got the GIF. I was going to say, that's just an image. It's just an image of, like... Um, of Mace Windu scowling at all these super battle droids. Yeah, so, like, here's how they did it in that show. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Lucas, describe it to people. Uh, so, Mace Windu is completely surrounded by, as you say, like, a million super battle droids. And he just twirls with his arms out and pushes all of them a good hundred meters away from him. Yeah, instantly. Like, instantly, he is yeah. surrounded on all sides by an infinite number of, like, robots. They fill the them. entire screen, there's that many of them. And he beats them with his bare hands, because the the thing that's wrong is, oh, no, he drops his lightsaber. And if people don't know about Mace Windu, in Star Wars canon, he is regarded as um, the most dangerous combatant with a lightsaber in the galaxy. Like, uh, yeah, because it's like his actual combatant skills are the the best of the Jedi, isn't it? Yeah, he is taught like the only person who is potentially better than him is Yoda, and even Yoda doesn't know that because the thing about Mace Windu that I think is really cool is again it's one of those extant, extant, expanded universe things that's really interesting. They never really bother to explore in the films is that mm. Mace Windu taps into the dark side. That's why he's so dangerous because he fights with killer intent, which is rare for a Jedi. Right. Yeah. And he has the ability to empower all of his blows with the Force. For example, <laughs> by doing shit, Lucas, like this. Speaking of just turning it into Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> what do you see, Lucas? Uh, just Mace Windu jabbing at the speed of sound on this super battle droid and shredding his armor. Yeah, then there's another one as well. Like, just very specifically. He's not, I guess, as powerful mm. as... Um, uh, Perhaps like launching a hundred super battle droids, like a million feet. Because the thing is, well, he goes and attacks like a city, a building-sized um, ship with his bare okay. hands and just knocks <laughs> it out. It's like fucking our Mace Windu. And you think seeing that, you probably would think of Mace Windu as one of the scariest people in the galaxy. And you'd also probably be scared of a Jedi. Yeah, but I like you as well. To, like in your head now, Lucas, just contrast that with that shot, you know, the Order sixty six montage. Mm-hmm. of that one Jedi who runs forward and then just gets shot in the back by all the <laughs> stuff. And then lies there on the ground as the clone troopers just shoot him in the head. The amount of them that just stood there un- just, completely unaware and just took a shot to the back. Right, so here's another one, and this is like, just again, why don't they do this in the movies? Oh, Mace Windu just points his hand at a droid, pulls out every single screw... That's and holding thing him holding him together, and he just falls apart immediately. Yeah, and it's annoying because that Clone Wars show, I don't think it's canon anymore, and it's not on Disney Plus because it contradicts the canon of the Clone Wars TV show they have on there. And so is, is that Clone Wars first couple of seasons not part of the other Clone Wars show that they recontinued? The one that I'm showing you here isn't now because this was, uh, the, as I said, the guy who did um, Samurai, Samurai Jack. Jack. 
and it was just not canon. I think there was like what a couple of seasons of that on Cartoon Network or Toonami or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was a t- the Toonami one. I thought they just brought Clone Wars back and continued with that canon. I'm not sure how it works, but I know I'm that's not, not sure on either. The fact that's not on Disney Plus doesn't fill me with hope that it's canon because. I'd like to think that Mace Windu doing that is. Because <laughs> that's the kind of shit that makes you a legend. Yeah, it takes him one movement to just completely disarm and evaporate this droid. Not to mention as well, would you not want to see that in one of the movies? I would, and I think that's exactly the problem, is because you can realise all of these stupid powers very easily in animation, but that would cost a lot of money to make in a real-life movie. Like, But think about how much money the prequels and the sequels have had. Exactly, yeah. And what um, do you... like In your head, what's like the most impressive feat like feat accomplished with the Force so far? Um, it's probably just the in Emperor the shooting lightning. Specifically. Yeah, it's probably just the Emperor shooting lightning. Well, yeah, uh, the Emperor shooting lightning at the end of The Last Sky... The... The Rise of Skywalker, that's the, Rise the one, of Skywalker. yeah. In terms of raw power. In terms of raw power, just the um, the lightning cloud that he forms that specifically only tacks the <laughs> enemy ship ships. as well. Because <laughs> it's, it's good. not indiscriminate lightning that fills up the entire sky. He picks out every ship that's flying around and only destroys the ones he wants. Yeah, and as it's stupid ridiculous. as that scene is, like, because um, I remember in a video once that we were talking about this, where it's like the Force, if you go by the canon established by the movies, the movies mm-hmm. specifically, the Force is actually kind of shit. Because you hear in the very first movie, so, like, not the first canon one, but the first one released, Darth Vader says that even the Death Star, a, um, a, a space station capable of destroying a planet, is mm-hmm. inconsequential to the power of the Force. Like he says yeah. that. That's a quote from Darth Vader himself. The most impressive thing you see Darth Vader do with the Force in all three of those movies is choke a man. <laughs> yeah. So, a co- like Darth Vader himself says the Force is the most powerful force. Like it's more powerful than a space station that can destroy planets. The only thing we ever see him do with it, save for pull a piece of furniture off the wall and throw at his son, <laughs> is choke a single human being, which takes him a good 30 seconds to do. Mm, yeah, and then you have the Emperor who can shoot lightning, which yeah, that's impressive. It is Pretty impressive yeah. to shoot lightning at your fingertips. It's not destroying an entire planet in three seconds, though. Yeah, and even if you go all the way to the end of the sequel trilogy, and you have the Emperor firing lightning bolts into the sky that are taking out an entire sky's worth of spaceships. Still, arguably not as powerful as destroying an entire planet with a laser, especially considering in that scene, every star destroyer in the sky has one of those lasers strapped to it. They do, yeah. They're all planet destroyers. And I will say, like, I know people have pointed out in the past when we talked about this that in the extended universe, which is what I was going to, which is what I was going to bring up. Canon yes. anymore. There were like, there was a Sith that used to just devour planets and things like this. But if we're going off the canon of the movies, the Force is shit. And this is what the thing the I want to great. bring up. When I said that, the amount of smarmy people. Well, actually, in this comic or this video game, this character does this like. I said the movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they just didn't listen. And it's weird when you say something like that and get those corrections because the people aren't even ignoring the last half a sentence. They're ignoring the middle of it. Yeah. And I want like, 
So they hear the first part, they hear the end part, but they ignore the middle part that supplies the context and then mm. correct me on the... It's like it's very strange. Because <laughs> yeah. you said it yourself right there. That was the exact thing I was going to bring up. The amount of people like, well, in the extended universe, like this character does this. But that's not in the movies, is it? It's not in the movies. And they've removed it from canon as well. Yeah. So if you go by the canon of the movies, the thing that Darth Vader says is uh, more powerful than a Star Destroyer or um, a a ship that can destroy planets and mm. later attached to a Star Destroyer is inconsequential to the power of the Force. The Force doesn't actually really do anything. No, and that's the thing is, even if we, we look at the ridiculous showcase of the Force with the Emperor at the end of Rise of Skywalker, that's still not as powerful as a Death Star. It's not. And even if you go on, like, um, Anakin himself, who's supposedly like one of the most powerful users of the Force in history, mm-hmm. even, like, um, like... I know how much people think it's stupid, like the shot of him when he's like, goes, no! <laughs> it's lame as fuck, but the initial lead-up to that scene of Darth Vader, it's like trembling with anger, and then everything in the room around him, like being crushed and destroyed due to the Force, Yeah, is still not as impressive as, say, like, just a grenade. <laughs> well, there's more utility in the Force, but in terms of sheer strength, yeah. It never gets showed off. It's like as though he talks about it, doesn't it? Oh, yes. One um, Sith figured out a way to conquer death. Mm. Is it really one? <laughs> Is that it? One? I guess all two. This, two, technically. Like, all this because power. Because he just fucking made a bunch of clones. But you've got all this power, and that's it. Unlimited power, Carl. Unlimited power, and he uses it to direct lightning at a guy who then redirects his own face. Because that's something that I was howling at i I never get that moment because why don't you just stop yeah i did i was in stitches because i forgot how badly directed that scene is (laughs) where the emperor is firing lightning at mace windu who's turning the lightning back around at his face and the emperor just says help i can't hold this much longer it's like stop firing lightning it's your lightning that's been just stop shooting at him Oh, God, it's so stupid. It gets me every time. And even as a little edgelord 14-year-old watching those movies thinking they're great, like, I still was, just stop then. Just stop. And you could say, oh, he was doing it deliberately to make Anakin uh, turn against the Jedi. But did you really have to fuck up your own face by doing that? <laughs> yeah. It's just he could have. He could have, yeah. Just gone, look, Mace Windu fucked me up a little bit and didn't care. Also, look, he's trying to kill me. He's got. He's saying that he's. Makes me he says I'm. He's too dangerous to be left alive. Yeah, that's all he needs to show Anakin. The Jedi aren't above killing me. And he like, but maybe Emperor, when the lightning's been redirected and you can feel your own face melting, <laughs> maybe just stop. Maybe you've realised the lightning's not working. But yeah. I, it's hilarious to me that that entire trilogy, the Emperor is three for three on firing lightning and getting it redirected back at his own face. <laughs> he never learns. He didn't learn, now, And he's the best part of that movie, which is what makes it so sad. Because mm-hmm. he's the only actor you can tell was having fun with it. Oh, he Everyone else. So much fun. Like, he, he is just fucking hamming it up. He is gnawing on the scenery in every scene he's in, and I love it. Yeah. Like, the, that actor was absolutely just fucking in just living life. Because you get moments like after he's revealed as the Emperor where he's just howling, laughing at Yoda while fighting him. 
He loves We're it. We're meant to take everything else really seriously. But the Emperor's there. He's basically a cartoon villain. Yeah. I think he's great. Like some of that, and I kind of wish they'd leaned into it a little bit more. Mm. Like with all the stupid stuff you have in those films, like um, you have like Tiny Yoda doing backflips with his lightsaber. Yeah. Make that the entire film. But you've even got moments where it's like Hayden Christensen um, kills Count Dooku and you've got comical Emperor just sitting in the back like, do it, do yeah. it. And it, Anakin's taking it so seriously and plays it off really badly. And the awful bit is that you find out behind the scenes that George Lucas kept yelling at Hayden Christensen telling him to act more. <laughs> and you feel really bad for him. It's like, how do I act with these lines? Yeah. Because that's what he kept doing. He kept taking him and saying, look, you need to act more. And that's why you have him, like, bursting into tears. Yeah, yeah. In, in random scenes. Because, like, George Lucas is offset saying you're not acting enough. It's, I'm trying my best. Because that's just... the thing is, at the end of the day, regardless of what you think of the actors and the performances in that movie, the director was the one that pushed those like choices on them. Yeah, and that's something that surprised my girlfriend when we'd watched Empire Strikes Back, which is widely considered the best Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. You get to the end, it's directed by, not George Lucas, edited mm-hmm. by, not George Lucas, screenplay by George Lucas. It's like, huh, it's funny how the one that he had the least control over is considered the best, isn't it? <laughs> the one that he had the least control over is the one that ended up being better than all the rest. Well, you've got oh. that classic thing of... Um... It's become a bit more wide known now of the original Star Wars, like Episode Four, being really poor until they saved it in the edit. They did, yes, and the editor is widely considered to be the person who saved Star Wars. And that was his wife at the time, I believe. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I want to say that that sounds right. (laughs) But just the thing is, I do like though that now uh, because the sequel trilogy has been so maligned and poorly received that people like I said going back and the ironic enjoyment of the prequel trilogy yeah. and then you get just randomly these amazing memes of uh, my favourite one being I think it's J.J. Abrams and someone, I don't know why they did it but I'm glad they did because it made me laugh they photoshopped in George Lucas as a smudge moving towards J.J. Uh, Abrams and the caption is an angered George Lucas taps into the Satso um, Inuhado to perform the raging demon on J.J. Abrams. <laughs> I don't know why. That cracks me up so much. Well, the image of just George Lucas teleporting at J.J. Abrams and just killing him <laughs> with the raging demon. Cracks me oh, up. God. And I really want to know how many people that nowadays say, oh, the prequels are pretty good or the prequels aren't too bad. Who've watched them start to finish. Have actually gone back and watched them, yeah. Because I did, and I had to fast forward through some of the scenes, like all the like the trade negotiations, and the deleted scenes are the best ones though, because there's um, perhaps the most baffling deleted scene in any piece of media ever is in Star Wars, and it is Obi Wan and Anakin talking in droid language. Wait, what? Have you seen this? No. There's a deleted scene of Anakin and Obi Wan talking in droid language, and they dub over droid noises. What? That's a real scene that was going to be in the movie. They dub over the droid noises of them talking like droids. Because you always have those moments where they talk to R2 and understand what he's saying. Yeah, so they dubbed in droid noises. That's amazing. That's incredible. Like I said, if they'd left that shit in, the film would be more entertaining because of it. Because then you could look at it and you could see it for its camp value. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact that, as you said, they played it so serious and so straight, yeah. with the exception of the Emperor. Everything and Jar Jar Binks 
And it's like, oh, God. He was there for comic relief, but that comic relief really falls flat when you have, like, scenes later in the trilogy of Anakin slaughtering children with his lightsaber. <laughs> uh, Pick a lane, Star Wars. Pick a lane. <laughs> which leads me to another great meme that I saw, because that's all Star Wars is now. Yeah. And it's that shot from Rise of Skywalker of Rey holding the dagger saying, this dagger is responsible for some truly evil acts. And then just the screenshot below is her holding Anakin's sca- uh, lightsaber and says, currently holding the Child Slayer 9000. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can sense that this dagger's done bad things, but you're holding Anakin's lightsaber and don't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> oh, God. It's a, how many Padawans were killed with that lightsaber? Does it just sum up how bad those movies are where... They have to get across that Anakin has turned evil. How does he do it? He relentlessly slaughters children. 20 minutes after he's saying that's not the Jedi way. Yeah. Lucas, you can't kill this evil man who's responsible for overthrowing the government. That's not the Jedi way. Anyway, I'm about to murder all these children. Carl, who had a faster turn to the dark side? Was it Anakin killing children? Or was it Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man PS4? I think it's Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man PS4 because it literally comes out of nowhere with him. He goes from I want to help people to releasing a virus upon the world in a matter of seconds. Because he's angry at a politician. Oh, God. Oh, God. It, I, Star Wars, for me now, it's one of those pieces of... It's one of those franchises where, like I said, the enjoyment of it is entirely ironic. It's like Game of Thrones. Where I will never be able to enjoy Game of Thrones in a non-ironic way now. I enjoy it purely to shit on it. I think for both, it's one of those of I can enjoy the earlier parts. I can can... enjoy the original trilogy still. And I can enjoy the first however many seasons of Game of Thrones. But I can't take it as a whole product seriously. Yeah. And I can also like discuss aspects that I find interesting, like with, with like the Mace Windu shit. Because I've still got those gifts on screen. Like, yeah, I, I'm just watching these gifts on loop. It's great. It's like, why do we not have like just a part of the prequel trilogy of like? Imagine that if that had been in the film. Mm, yeah. Like, imagine if they'd have just had like you have the scene where you have like a million Jedi at once all fighting. It's just this clusterfuck of lightsabers, and you can't see anything that's going on, and it's just twirling colours and lasers everywhere. The only thing you can see is, oddly enough, Samuel L. Jackson, because he insisted on having a purple lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a fucking Don he is. People and it's the that's... best. Everyone pretty much agrees, like, what colour lightsaber's the best? Fucking purple. Purple. I want a purple lightsaber. Because <laughs> the question is, always, what colour lightsaber is the best? In brackets, not including purple. And the, the only other answer to that is red. Yeah. Because the red one's the coolest one. Although I do appreciate, like, Plo Koon having just, like, the golden yellow lightsaber. Golden yellow one, yeah. And Ashoko has, like, a white... Ashoko has a white one. Because I thought it was yeah, an editing mistake. Yeah, some weird, like, purified lightsaber she stuff. purified a lightsaber. It's like, this is bordering on fan fiction now. And then there's, like, dark sabers as well, where they're, like, black with the white outline and it's not a lightsaber it's a sword that was made for the mandalorians and that's also in the mandalorians oh no no that's a separate thing from uh dark sabers where it's like they've taken enough life to take on the dark side or some shit like that because i know the dark saber it's like is being wielded by giancarlo esposito in that show and you know you're going to get a shot at the end of the mandalorian holding that and holding a lightsaber (laughs) as baby yoda is flying behind him wielding like 50 at once because that's the only way i'll accept it if you double down if you're going to turn it into fan fiction at least start putting the cool shit in 
Yeah, exactly. If you're gonna if you're gonna double down on all this crap, put in stuff like Mace Windu just force punching robots to death. Because <laughs> I bet you, oh, if you call Samuel L. Jackson up and asked him to be in that, he would. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, oh, but he didn't. He died. So no one saw him die. So I think people keep asking Samuel L. Jackson that. Like, uh, they uh, ask him right, if yeah. he's dead, and he went, "Oh, I look dead, but I'll come back if they ask me to." The thing is, we saw Emperor Palpatine blow up when he got thrown off the thing. He came back. And he came back, so fuck yeah. it. Mace Windu never died on screen, therefore we can't confirm he's dead. Did you ever hear, though, um, how that conversation went down behind the scenes? Uh, I don't think so. Because imagine being the person who's got to... Even if you're George Lucas and you own everything, you've still got to go up to Samuel L. Jackson and tell him that he's got to die. <laughs> So the part of the story goes that George Lucas talked to Samuel L. Jackson and said, mm-hmm. look, um, in this film, the Jedi die. Mm-hmm. Like, all the Jedi get killed, including you. And Samuel L. Jackson's like, okay, okay, um, how do I die? And he's like, well, I've not written that part yet. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about it because I'm not sure you'd be okay with, how would you be okay with dying? And Samuel L. Jackson's like, look, I'm the baddest Jedi in the galaxy. I don't mind dying as long as I don't die like a punk. Oh, okay. Which is why he dies in a one-on-one fight with the Emperor after having his hand cut off and being electrocuted at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you've got to respect that, haven't you? You can kill me, just don't kill me in a bitch-ass way. If I'm going yeah. out, I'm going out screaming. <laughs> just going out the most swinging possible. I'm going out while being on fire, being flung out of a window with my hand being cut off, swinging a lightsaber. And at the end of the day, the only reason he dies is because Anakin. Yeah. Like, Anakin comes in and just disturbs the one-on-one. There's no honour. And that's the show. That shows how good he is that he beat the Emperor, but I like as well. Um, he could come back, because, you know, Darth Maul comes back. Yeah. Darth Maul comes back and he's got robot legs. That's the thing is, it shows a similar kind of thing of, oh, well, he's insinuated to be dead, but you don't see it confirmed. So, therefore, he, he kind of died off screen. And just fell in a pit. Therefore, you can come back. It's fine. Like yeah. Mace Windu, he flew out of a window. We didn't see the impact. We didn't see him confirmed dead anywhere. Well, think about how far Yoda falls in that film. Mm. Like Yoda falls like a good like 150 feet and he lands so hard. And he walks <laughs> it off because of the force. Yeah. But watching that film is really funny, though, when you consider like, how many people got injured. Like, Look what happens to the Emperor. Like, he blows up alongside the Death Star. Yeah. After being electrocuted, after all that bollocks. He's like 190 million years old. He survives. Anakin Skywalker has his legs and his arm cut off. He's lying on sulfur, burning in agony. His face is melting off. His dick's on fire. He's crawling <laughs> like his one robot arm up. He survives. Yeah. Like Darth Maul gets cut in half and falls 100 feet down a mine shaft and he crawls to safety and gives himself robot legs. Padme dies because she's sad. <laughs> it's like she gives up it's, like, it's so shit oh to be fair if I'd seen the person I'm having a kid with just if it turned out they went in and just murdered a bunch of children I might give up myself to be honest the thing is though but keep in mind he tells her before they have like the kids that he killed all the sand people children yeah true he true. specifically says that I killed the children and the women too but it's okay because he cried about that. He mourned their death card. It's so funny. But I love it though. Of like, oh, it's almost like she's got nothing left to live for as she's giving birth to twins. Yeah. 
she's giving birth to twins who will be orphans if she doesn't get like if she gives up and she's like nah fuck it I'm done yeah oh god but speaking of memes though I like that one someone's done of Yoda of, I respect Yoda so much because like he's just sat there and he gets asked so many questions that he gives up and dies <laughs> like, he just gives up <laughs> Oh, God. Like, when he's sat on his little planet and Luke Skywalker's just, like, pestering him, so he just gives up. And he's like, you know what, am I? I do find it really weird um, in terms of the whole Luke being a Jedi Master thing of he leaves that planet After two where Yoda's going, you are not ready, do not leave, and then he's just a Jedi Master. <laughs> and he beats, he fucking beats, like, Darth Vader. It's just like, I don't understand what happened between... Episode five and six, and I'm sure people will be able to tell me, but in the, the fact that they yeah. off-screen just power level grinded Luke Skywalker. Like, the one that I like is um, looking at the Battle of Mustafar because we'd watched Empire Strikes Back, and you have the fight of like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, and yeah. it's like very obviously a guy in a clunky plastic suit swinging around a stick. Yeah, and then you compare that to the shit he's doing on Mustafar. <laughs> He's like doing like millions of backflips, and, he's and they, spinning they write it, it off, don't they? As like, oh, but he's not got the same level of power when he's in that suit because no, he's... he's like half a robot man. But yeah, <laughs> they just... oh, they they make him look so powerful as Anakin Skywalker. But then confirms like Ben Kenobi, like what he does, and you can say, oh yeah, like I know it's an old man, but then look mm. at Yoda, what he did. He was like 900 <laughs> in the prequels, and look what he's doing. Yeah, he's like hundreds of years old. Like, why can't Ben Kenobi just like, like use one last burst of force energy to do a couple backflips? <laughs> At the very least, just kick him. Just kick him for all time's sake. You'd never see it coming, but like, God. <laughs> it's, it's a universe that the more they reveal about it, just the worse it gets. Yeah, yeah. every new piece of media they release just makes you go, but why didn't they do that in the old one? Mm-hmm. Like when you see Anakin doing like a thousand backflips and he's jumping all over the joint, or even just stupid powers they show, like Force Dash doing like Attack yeah. of the Clones, where they run really fast for one mm. second in one scene and then never do it again. <laughs> and you find yourself thinking, well, why didn't Obi Wan do that when Qui Gon Jinn needed help? <laughs> like, do you know when like the lights are in the way and he can't make it to him in time? Why don't you just use the Force Dash to get there? Yeah. It's like, oh god, damn it, stop doing this. I ju- I don't know. Why that world doesn't consist of everyone force-throwing lightsabers at each other. Why not? Like, no time. one uses force-throwing lightsabers. But it's, a, it's such a staple of the game as well, isn't it? Throwing yeah. lightsabers. But it's never used in the films, no. to my knowledge. I, I, I don't really... Th- like, they obviously do the pulling lightsabers towards them. Mm. But it's very... It either doesn't exist in the movies, or it's not really done. So it seems it so powerful. Me. To just throw yeah. a lightsaber. What do you do? <laughs> when that's like coming towards you. Well, just, you know, give your enemy your lightsaber and then use the force to turn the button on. <laughs> just throw it at <laughs> like, Just do it. It's like I said, just have the thing. Oh, God, can you hear that? I can, yeah. Oh, it's gone. I think that's someone drilling in the house above. So you know what? If someone's going to be drilling... Uh, I guess that's the time to like slow down. Cause that feels like something that's going to be going on for a long time. Yeah. So we could, you like... don't just drill for one second, Carl. No. So we could bring that to a close for now. But fucking hell, Star Wars, get it together. But also, I kind of hope that it keeps failing. Because <laughs> like 
every subsequent piece of Star Wars related media that's been released since Rise of Skywalker has just been them trying to retcon everything that happened in that film. Ah, right. And it's been incredible to watch. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Lucas, anything to plug? Uh, yeah, uh, YouTube, Twitch, Legend of Canto, go watch. Uh, yeah, um, go watch Lucas' stuff. I'm going to go just now sit in the other room as this guy apparently just drills the ceiling to my building. Are you hearing that? Of course I'm hearing that. Okay, sorry. I'm watching a video on schizophrenics and then in the background they're like playing weird music and then I hear this <laughs> awful sound and I'm like, they're talking about auditory hallucinations. I'm like, <gasps> <gasps> Fair enough. Okay. So my girlfriend's gone insane as well, so I better go deal with that right now. <laughs> Oh, thank God. We'll sort that out.